Welcome to another episode of Exploring Art Podcast, a Florida International University student podcast for the creative curious. I'm your host, Samantha. And I'm your co-host, Josh, and we are pleased to have Dynasty and Noemi here to help us explore this case study. Welcome to the Exploring Art Podcast. Today, we're going to be performing a case study focused on the propositions Alexander slew the Minotaur and Botticelli's birth of Venus depicts the birth of Venus. During our case study, we explore the questions in what ways are the propositions alike and is the only difference that one of them is about an artwork and the other is not? If so, why should that matter? But before we dive into it, Dynasty and Noemi will give us a little bit of backstory on these two works. So the Birth of Venus painting was completed by Renaissance artist Alessandro Botticelli in 1485. It depicts the Roman goddess Venus in her adult form arriving on the shores of Greece. She's pictured arriving in style that is on a seashell. According to the worldhistory.org in Roman mythology, Venus was the goddess of love, sex, beauty, and fertility. She was the Roman counterpart to the Greek goddess Aphrodite. It's believed that the birth of Venus painting was meant to make the viewer think about the deeper ideas behind love. Just for more context of the painting, to the left of uh, Venus would be the wind god Zephyr, who's blowing her towards shore. And then on the right is another Greek goddess um, of the seasons and other divisions of time and attendance of, of Venus. And one cool fact I found was that Botticelli was a famous painter from Italy, famous for life-size paintings like Venus and Mars. Later on, he burned his paintings because of the morally corrupt and materialistic way Italy was being painted as. Another fact about the birth of Venus is that it was hidden from view for about 50 years. The birth of Venus wasn't meant for public eye. It was a daring piece of art, especially given the period during which it was created. And now for the history of the Minotaur myth. According to GreekMythology.com, the Minotaur was one of the most famous and gruesome monsters in aging Greek mythology. He is usually portrayed with the head of a bull and the body of a man. The Minotaur was mentioned in a popular Greek myth, Theseus and the Minotaur. When King Minos of Crete failed to sacrifice a bull to Poseidon, the god caused his wife to lust after the animal. She then conceived the Minotaur. The Minotaur was locked away at the center of labyrinth. King Minos would feed the Minotaur Athenian tributes due to a deal he had with their king. One of these tributes was named Theseus. Theseus was determined to kill the monster. Before Theseus entered to be eaten, the king's daughter gave him a ball of string so that he could find his way back after he slayed the minotaur. With his courage and the help of the string, he was able to kill the minotaur and find his way out. To give a brief history of Alexander the Great, so as we know him, he's Alexander the Great, but he's commonly commonly referred to as Alexander III of uh, Macedon, which is an ancient Greek kingdom that dated back in around 330 BC. But he took over the throne of his father, Philip II, at the age of 20. And then from there, he became a really well-known military leader throughout Western Asia and Northeastern Africa. By age of 30, he created one of the largest empires in history, stretching from Greece to Northwestern India. And I guess his sort of his biggest legacy, what he's known for, was that he destroyed the Persian Empire, which would be modern day Turkey, which is that where the land was. 
But more importantly, Alexander's conquest spread Greek culture, also known as Hellenism, across his empire. In fact, his ruling marked the beginning of a new era known as the Hellenistic Age because of the powerful influence that uh, Greek culture had on other people. So without Alexander the Great, we wouldn't really know today if uh, Greek ideas and culture would have remained confined just to Greece. The reason we mention the history behind these two figures is to emphasize that one was a real human being recorded in history and one was a mythical beast used in a story passed down from one generation to another for centuries. This makes the proposition that Alexander slew the Minotaur false because although Alexander the Great was a real person, the Minotaur was not, so it could never have been killed in real life. Similar to the Minotaur, the goddess Venus is also a character depicted in mythology. This means she also never existed, and so her birth could not have been depicted, right? Well, although we can say her birth was never a real event that happened, we are still able to imagine what an event like that would have looked like. So the proposition Botticelli's birth of Venus depicts the birth of Venus is actually true because we can still create that scene of her being born in our imagination, even though it may have never happened. For our exploring art course, we read chapter three of puzzles about art. In the section picturing history, it mentions a piece of art by the artist Edward Manet. In this piece, Manet depicted the execution of an emperor. However, Manet was not present for the emperor's execution and only based his painting on eyewitness reports from new newspapers. How does this relate to the two propositions we we're talking about today? So I think it relates because um, when Monet did his painting of the execution, he never really was there to see that. So when he was doing the painting, he had to kind of imagine what that would have looked like. And I think that goes for the Venus painting as well, because Botticelli was obviously not there to see Venus arrive on her shell. So I think he also had to go through that process of imagining what that scene would, would have looked like. So in that way, I think they're very similar. Yeah, I was going to add on to that because so the the painting of Venus, I guess the question, like the main question is like, so why is the painting so important, even though like it depicts a mythological being? And I think a lot of why it's important has to do with the meaning of the painting and how it was unique to its time. Because like the artist himself, he used to really only paint like Roman Catholic themes. So I guess he drew a lot of attention to new people when he switched the subject matter to like Greek and Roman mythology. And uh, I, was, I was reading a little bit about it. It said the subject of the painting celebrates Venus as a symbol of love and beauty. It embodies the rebirth of civilization, a new hope, uh, ge geopolitical, social and cultural shifts which occurred after the Middle Ages. So it's like the birth of Venus is thought to be based off like uh, uh, Neoplatonic ideas which was, it was like a way of thinking like during uh, like Plato's time, but about uh, earthly love and like spiritual love. So there's like, there like a lot, there's a much deeper meaning to the painting, which is why I think it's uh, super important. Yeah, and I think when talking about myths, a lot of people get confused um, because the last semester I took a religion course and we talked about like a lot of myths about like Greek myths and even myths in like Christianity. And I feel like a lot of people get confused, like, oh, is a myth real? Or like, is a part of it real? And I think the big picture is just their stories passed down from generations and they're not necessarily true, but they're just using 
stories of mythical beasts to like tell a lesson or something for the the person listening to learn. So I feel like in that way, they're not actually real, but what's actually real is like the lesson they're trying to teach. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And also like the way the figure's standing, the, um, I guess, yeah, Venus in the shell, it it's, has like influence from a lot of other artworks. Like I think the Statue of David is similar, is like a similar uh, form, you know, where one hand's like covering himself. Yeah, I feel like that time, like during this painting was made, it was a very like imaginative, imaginative time for artists because in a way I feel like their religion kind of helped them to like create this vision in their mind because like that painting is like crazy. Like who would think that up, this lady like arriving on a shell? Um, but I think that that time was just a good time for like imagination and then the artist they were very obsessed with making the art look as lifelike as possible so they just created these like amazing pieces of art yeah and the first time i've actually seen this painting was through this class but and it has been used by like a lot of modern day artists and i guess it's like really popular in today's culture yeah oh i have a good question what was like everyone's first kind of thoughts about the painting like when you looked at it what were you like thinking what did you think it was? I thought it was like interesting and like unique in a way. Yeah, I thought at first I thought it was maybe something about Christianity or the Bible because you know a lot of those paintings about the Bible they're in that kind of like style of like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then I kept reading it it was really about religion but a different one. Yeah, and also I saw the the guy flying there's like uh, another guy oh, it looks like right? an angel or something yeah it kind of looks like an angel so I kind of tried to put those two together yeah because yeah, yeah I'm looking at it right now and the I guess the person is blowing yeah blowing her to shore and then the, the one on the right is uh preparing to like cover her with a a cloth as soon as she gets there yeah when I was reading about it I actually saw someone tried to um they were comparing it to like Eve from Adam and Eve from the Bible so I think there's oh, a, yeah. a lot of parallels because she's naked and then the lady is coming from the other side of the painting to cover her with like a cloth. Yeah, you're right. It does look like a scene that would be in, like out of the Bible or I don't know, just how it's painted. It just reminds me of older Renaissance painting. So when we were talking about the Minotaur, we found out that the proposition was false because the Minotaur never existed. So Alexander the Great could never have killed it. And when I was reading about it, I kind of straightforward thought it was false because when reading about the Minotaur, like I always knew about the Minotaur, like as a kid, I would read about the labyrinth story that we talked about. And in my head, I was like, this is not something that could actually exist. So I was like, yeah, obviously, like <laughs> that guy could never have killed it. But there's also like another idea in my mind, like what if there was like a version of the Minotaur? But it wasn't actually like a, like a monster. Like maybe it was just like a really hairy guy or something. And then it just like <laughs> turned into this monster over time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I always think about that kind of stuff too. Like maybe at the time they thought like something unusual or whatever, which we sometimes might think is normal today. But they thought they just like named it a creature and they thought it was actually something. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that happens a lot in stories. Like 
over time, like it just changes because I think the story is a thousand years old at this point. So like so many people could have changed the story, you know? It's like that like game, the telephone, right? Is that what it's called? Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So maybe Yeah, like as person, it gets passed down. Yeah. Someone got it very wrong or either <laughs> they just thought of something from their imagination. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like that's why it's good that uh, Venus one, like, it's an actual painting. Because it was, like, it was painted in that time. I guess it was painted, up, like, to represent Greek mythology, which was much before the 1500s. But it's, it's like, not really just a story. Yeah, and I feel like there are, like, really large parallels between them. Because they're both the same because they're, like, myths in Greek mythology. But, like, one's, like, a pretty, like, human lady. And then the other thing is, like, a bull monster. So, like... East. <laughs> yeah exactly and i don't know like you were saying about the minotaur how people like it could have been just like a hairy man or something i feel like this venus thing could also be the same like it could have just been like an important lady that like people looked up to as like god or goddess or something yeah like even like how she was painted i feel like um because someone commissioned the artist to make the painting and i think um there's like a rumor that the person he painted was like the daughter of the guy Oh, really? Yeah, because no one really knows what she looks like. So that's like another factor that they just use like people in their lives to make the the Venus. I didn't know that. So I feel like one one difficulty that like arises between the two answers um, of the propositions, like the Minotaur was false because the Minotaur never existed. But we also know that Venus never existed but her proposition was true. And so it's kind of like confusing with the two because they both never existed. However, they both have different answers. Um, But I think it's like all in the way that the proposition is like made because in the Venus one, um, it's about the artists, like the artists um, painting depicts Venus. And then with the Minotaur one, it's just talking about like an action, like Alexander the Great killed the Minotaur. So an action like that couldn't have happened because the Minotaur didn't exist, but the painting could because the painting is just an imagination of what the artist thought the the scene would look like. So it's kind of confusing in that way, but if you really think about it, it makes sense. Okay, well, I think this case study really helped me in learning about propositions and that even though a proposition may have like a final answer, like the Minotaur being false and then the proposition about the Venus painting being true, um, we can still make our interpretations about each. And I feel like that makes us really grow as people so we can talk about our thoughts and feelings about how these two can be different, um, even though they ultimately have a real answer but I feel like it was good to have that conversation between us and grow our knowledge. I agree. I think it was really interesting to see how just one painting had so many different interpretations. Yeah, and for me, I think it's important that we sort of discuss these two like events because before when I like looked at paintings, I never really sort of considered whether you know, it actually happened in real life or not. And I think the fact that like it didn't happen, I don't think that, you know, it takes away any sort of importance or like devalues it.
but that's my thoughts. Yeah, I think this is a good exercise for us to learn about these historical paintings that we otherwise would never have learned more about. So yeah, this is an awesome case study to do. I want to thank you so much for joining us today, Dynasty and Noemi. I really appreciate it. This concludes the Exploring Art Podcast. Subscribe to Exploring Art Podcast on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. We have been your co-hosts, Josh. And Samantha. Please join us soon and remember to stay curious.